Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Ladies and gentlemen, you could have been anywhere in the world tonight, but you're here with us in New York City. Are you ready? I know I am. Hey, I'm Alex Garrett, your host for this episode and everything Alex Garrett Podcasting. And this podcast specifically focuses on topics that should be trending. And, well, you know what they say, right? Oh, if the shoe fits, wear it. Well, that line means so much to me. Find out why next on Alex Garrett Podcasting, where we wear that shoe proudly. Well, he's back, and actually, I think he's got a couple new roles here. John T. Bennett, he's with The Independent. He was a former White House correspondent with Roll Call. But first of all, John, uh, welcome back, and tell us your new role as the Washington Bureau Chief and Columnist at The Independent. Thanks for coming back. Yeah, thanks for uh, for having me. I made the move over to The Independent in late January, so uh, rolled in right in time for an impeachment hearing. So that was an interesting way uh, to start a new job. But what we're trying to do here uh, in D.C., along with my uh, congressional and political correspondent, Griffin Connolly, who who I brought over from Roll Call, a talented, uh, talented young reporter, we're trying to, to establish a, a D.C. presence as the independent tries to uh, continue its 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 expansion here in the United States, uh, you know, build a readership here in the United States and and try eventually. And this is, a, of course, uh, a long term project, but uh, try to become a player here uh, in, in in D.C. political reporting and then uh, in broader uh, political reporting and even, you know, what, what we would call general assignment reporting here in the states. Uh, still a very small staff here in D.C. and in New York, but um, uh, our traffic is very impressive. It, and like a Trump tweet, as Sean Spicer used to tell us, the traffic speaks for itself. Well, let me tell you really quickly, I always think the independents a little more verify, a lot more verifiable, I should say, than the Daily Mail. I feel like you guys are always in competition in the U.K. over there. Oh, well, those are your words. Uh, I know my colleagues at the Daily Mail, uh, they work as hard as we do, and... Um, Especially right now, uh, all of us are typing into laptops and on our phones. We're all in this together right now. So, uh, uh, but we're definitely in competition. We're definitely in competition, and and we want to get to a place where we're not just keeping, we're not just con- competing with those guys, but we want to get to a place uh, where we're beating them as often as 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 they're beating us in other outlets. Okay, so and you do the the U.S. stuff, but I feel like Britain's dealing with other stuff too with the lockdowns. But let's focus on here. So. What did people wake up to this morning in the Independent in your coverage of the debate? What did people wake up to in the Independent uh, readership today? Yeah, we really focused last night on uh, Senator Harris attacking Vice President Pence. And, and you know, really more than that, the, the vice president was sitting behind his plexiglass uh, uh, saliva guard. But that was really Donald Trump at a lot of times last night sitting there. Uh, Pence was just a proxy. And, and we focused on, on Senator Harris going after the, the Trump record and, and, and pr- trying to press uh, the vice president on everything from coronavirus to the way the economy collapsed uh, during the, the, the shutdown and, and how it has really grown uh, slowly. Uh, you know, the White House not pleased with the jobs report 
this morning, obviously released after the debate, and, and I'm sure the vice president is breathing a little easier because it was. But but that was our main focus. I, I wrote after the debate, uh, sat down, took a lap or two around uh, my abode, and um, and thought about it. And, and what I wrote, my big takeaway was they both – they both just ignored. They didn't even dodge. They just ignored questions, the, the big questions that mattered. You know, the vice president on protecting pre-existing conditions if the Supreme Court shoots down Obamacare. And also, he, just like the president, uh, the vice president would not say that that the two of them would uh, would would honor the outcome of the election, whatever it might be, but especially if they lose. And Senator Harris uh, was pressed on on, on whether uh, uh, Vice President Biden, if he's elected, well, intends to pack the Supreme Court. And of course, that means that means the, the Constitution does not say it has to be nine justices. It, it I guess could be uh, could be as big as anyone wants it to be, as, as many justices as you could cram on there in in, in one term or one half term before congressional midterm election. So, you know, Chuck Schumer, AOC, uh, a lot of Democrats have talked about if if Biden wins and, and Democrats take the Senate, they should just add liberal justices and 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 get a majority on the Supreme Court. I'm chuckling because I'm not sure Chuck Schumer would actually go through with that, but we'll see. And but Senator Harris asked about that last night, uh, just like Vice President Biden, she would not say yay or nay. Okay. So, you know, that, that's a big issue. That's a, that's a huge issue, and, and I keep waiting for the vice president to answer that. And just like she did last night, they, they just ignore it and, and, and dance around it. So that was my takeaway. Uh, you know, they, they were happy to joust on the issues that all four of them joust on every day on Twitter, on cable interviews, speeches, rallies. But on those big issues, we're still waiting for answers, and I, I, I just don't know if we're going to get them. I doubt we're going to get them before the 3rd of November. Well, i got to tell you, the reason why I brought you on today, and, and we'll have to see the health of the president and the VP, I, I agree, uh, Vice President Biden, there was no uh, actual direct answer to that. But your tweet about how, where can I get this presidential mask that Trump has on uh, with the seal on one side, he has the kind we buy at CVS or Amazon. I found that a, a funny take. But what was your serious take or even humorous take about all of this, him being hospitalized? I, I just could tell you had a little humor that you wanted to add to the conversation here. Sure. And I'll take you behind the behind the curtain a little bit from my days as uh, as a White House correspondent uh, covering covering the White House every day down there. When he, when Trump was in town, you know, three or four days a week, and and seeing some of the behind the scenes before the camera started rolling for everyone else, um, it became very apparent the six months, eight months in, as Trump caught his breath and then kind of started to get his legs as president and and figure it out, like just like any new president has to, but especially someone who, by all accounts, did not expect to win, uh, even on election night. Um, he he really fell in love, like many presidents do, with some of the trappings of the office. Uh, not a criticism, just that's the way it is, including the presidential seal. You may notice that when the president does just about anything, I'm focusing mostly on uh, official White House events, that the, the dark blue flag with the seal of the, the office of the president 
is usually over one of his shoulders or it's right behind him or it's, it's in the camera shot. And he knows that he, he, he manages his camera shot. This is a reality TV guy after all. Yeah. yeah. So um, also uh, fast forward to the virus and the first time the president produced a mask when pressed by by the traveling press pool, I think he was in Michigan or one of the swing states at a at a factory that was producing uh, ventilators or masks or something for the virus. Uh, he pulled it out of his suit pocket, his inside breast pocket, and I noticed immediately it had on the on one of the sides. I believe it's the right side, maybe it's one of the sides. The seal of the office of the president. You may remember he was wearing it when he went to the Supreme Court. Uh, to pay respects to the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg. He wears it everywhere. He was was photographed wearing it into, and he was on video. That's the mask he was wearing Friday night when he was essentially airlifted to Walter Reed Hospital. Well, he came out Monday, and he was wearing the same kind of mask that I had worn out huh. earlier Monday when I ran a few morning errands and went down to check my mail in my building here in D.C., there's a mask mandate if you're not inside your residence. Um, I have a nice mask, and I have the disposable mask, like you like. We've said you get at CVS that blue, almost paper thing, and you know they don't last a long time. You have to throw them out. The pre, the, the, Donald Trump, mm-hmm. Donald Trump, Mr. Presidential Seal, Donald Trump, who has a gold-plated penthouse in Manhattan with a building with his name on it. Uh, was wearing a CVS mask, and I just wondered if, knowing this president like we do, if he was planning to walk out of Walter Reed not wearing a mask, if his because he got to the White House and he ripped off the that CVS mask, mask as quick as possible. By the way, as as soon as he got uh, up to the Truman balcony, as soon <laughs> as he he got as far enough away from the Secret Service and and his photographer. And the, the 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 press pool that was waiting to chronicle his arrival at the White House and 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 some of his staff that was down on the ground level. As soon as he got upstairs, he could not get that thing off fast <laughs> enough. John, and, uh, go ahead. Sorry. And, and, and so I was just I'm just I'm just I, I had to wonder if the showman's showman was going to walk out of Walter Reed COVID positive without a mask and, and, and again, downplay the virus. And, and that's exactly what he did as soon as he got back home. John, I got to tell you, uh, it was the first night of fall for me, and I happened to be in a CVS, speaking of CVS. <laughs> and I said, man, you got a nice fall uh, decor here. So I literally took my first picture of the fall in CVS. So it's kind of like a full circle thing. Um, but there you go. I don't know if he's 100% still. He's still breathing heavy. I mean, you see him. Or, or you tracked him. I mean, is his breathing mm-hmm. worse than it was like a couple of years ago? Have you seen any improvement even over the weekend? What are your thoughts on him? Because this is a serious issue now that he still is battling sure. this, I think. Sure, sure. I mean, he's, they released, the White House released another video. It was recorded yesterday, but they released another one this afternoon. And um, uh, he looks great. He, he, you know, that was a five-minute video. He got through that. We don't know if it was edited. Uh, but he did... He did uh, an hour-long back-and-forth on Fox Business this morning with Maria Bortiromo, and, boy, the two of them, uh, they're very similar personalities. And he would, you know, he would go on five- and, and, and six-minute answers. Of course, she would butt in – not butt in. She would interrupt with, uh, with follow-up questions. But they bantered for an hour, and 
I don't, I, I, I don't remember this morning thinking anything except, wow, he sounds amazing for a guy who was airlifted to the hospital less than a week ago. Um, as far as his overall health, he's always he's a heavier guy for sure. He's heavier than than the doctors have said on their medical reports, or, or he has let on at rallies jokingly. Um, he's acknowledged his weight, but he's not a healthy guy. Um, he's 74 years old. He's overweight. He doesn't exercise. Uh, no golf. He rides a cart, so golf doesn't really count. And um, um, you know, you, you'll see him at rallies. Uh, you'll see him behind the scenes, uh, you know, waiting for events to start. And and it's not that he seems winded, but um, you know, he'll he'll take a deep breath or two. He'll he'll pause in between sentences. He kind of sucks his teeth. You know, we all sure. know people who do that. Uh, Trump's a t- he does that. Um, but it was noticeable to me. Um, in one of the videos over the weekend that they shot from Walter Reed, they released it late at night, and he seemed short of breath for sure then. He definitely seemed like he was uh, fighting to get air in on Monday night when he got back to the White House. and He, he had to climb kind of two, uh, two half flights of stairs uh, to get to the Truman balcony, and, and he definitely, definitely, the video shows that anybody can go watch that, that, that he was... He was gasping for air as if you or I had just gone out and jogged a half mile or a mile. He was definitely, definitely uh, a little bit gassed, if you will. So, sure. but but this morning he sounded like his old self. He sounded, as I would describe it, as Trump at his peak uh, kind of powers. And we know that one of his powers is firing up his base with with those kind of rowdy rallies and, and those rowdy Fox call-ins. Yeah. And you couldn't tell you couldn't tell anything's wrong this morning, but that could just be because he has he has been pumped full of, you know, these powerful antibody therapeutics and this very powerful steroid um, and their testimonials. People can look it up online. Uh, folks have written about uh, themselves being uh, being diagnosed the the, the 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 steroid and saying they felt euphoric. But they also kind of lost touch with reality at times. So this is really, really bizarre stuff, and and we and the president's got to be very careful, uh, right, with his health, because we know that coronavirus patients can can feel fine, especially when they're medicated, after day five and six, and then they can take a turn. And again, he's seventy four. He's got a heart condition. Even if it's common, there's no such thing as a common heart condition. And and he's overweight. So and he said in the video today, the new video that that he knows he's at risk, but but he's charging ahead and 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 he wants to get back on the campaign trail. But sure. he's really got to be careful. Well, and I'm if I can say I'm personally in that same boat, like I don't want to stop my life, but I also need to be cautious. I've got one kidney and I roll it on one leg and mm-hmm. the leg's not the issue, mm-hmm. but it's the internal stuff that I always. So uh-huh. I wish on Monday he would have said, don't be afraid, but be cautious. I think if he said that, everybody would have taken a bigger deep, he did. He uh, deep did. breath. He did. He said in, in the middle of all of that, he did say, be careful. And and he said that over the weekend and, and he had talked to some folks on the phone and, and he told them to go on television and, and talk to folks like you and radio guys and, and gals and, and tell people to be careful. 
but he never says the words, right? He never says, wear right. a mask. He, you know, he does say, stay away from people, but then, you know, he says, stay away from people as he's yelling over Marine One on the South Lawn, and then he flies to a rally, and all of his supporters are, are tightly packed around and inside an airport hangar. So which is it, Mr. President? Well, and one other thing I will say that people didn't really pick up on is I've heard him multiple times say, you know, if I'm on an elevator or if I'm in close quarters, I put the mask on. And I thought that was um, not documented at all over the last few months. But he has said stuff like that. Uh, John, mm-hmm. John T. Bennett, who we're talking to, he's with The Independent now and uh, Washington Bureau Chief down there in Washington. Is this has there ever been a health scare I mean, what was the health scare Obama and Bush had or whomever you've covered? I feel like it wasn't like this, right? But has there been a health scare that you had to cover before? Uh, not that I had to cover. I mean, President Bush, um, and I don't mean this jokingly, but President Bush once choked on a pretzel and the Secret Service came in and and had to help get the pretzel out of his, his throat. He's watching football, and and we've all done that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, what comes to mind, and, and a lot of people probably saw the pictures over the weekend, um, but it was a scheduled thing. It wasn't an emergency. Uh, President Reagan had cancer, had surgery to remove uh, uh, some colon cancer, and he stayed in the same suite. I'm sure it's been overhauled 15 times since then, but he stayed in the same suite, the presidential suite at, at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. Um, you know, he was out of commission for a little while. He was he was under uh, he 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 had anesthesia so so he was under during the surgery and um and he stayed there for a few days as anyone would after that kind of surgery but that's that's really for me um what comes to mind uh the only other thing and we're still left questioning president trump's own unplanned mysterious visit to walter reed in november you're reading my mind i was going to ask you about that yeah you know the day's press pool um, it was it was later in the day, but the day's press pool suspected, you know, maybe he's going to go play nine holes of golf or something. Because uh, even in November in the afternoon, you could you could get seven or nine holes in. Sure. And and instead, he walked out. He was carrying uh, he was carrying a, uh, a beige envelope, like a mailing envelope, and and got into the armored SUV and, and off they went. So that comes to mind as well. Um, that was shrouded in, in still secrecy. They claim he was doing part of his annual physical. They've never finished that physical. And, um, but, but they've never shown any documentation, really official documentation from the November trip. So that comes to mind, you know, president Obama, uh, was lucky enough to be a young man, a healthy man. He, He didn't really have any health scares. So those are the two, um, I, I have seen some speculation, but not really from credible sources. Uh, and some, you know, cable cable folks have have speculated on air that the November uh, the November Trump trip to Walter Reed was somehow related to to what we saw over the weekend. But but as of right now, I, we have to take the doctor's word for it that that he was there and, and treated for coronavirus. Uh, John, the uh, the other thing is how heavy. You know, last night's debate is I don't think we've ever had such a more impactful VP debate because of the health of these two uh, candidates, the president and vice president Biden. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because 
another thing uh, in in my my post debate analysis piece last night that I that I mentioned was Susan Glasser of USA Today was the moderator, and she asked them both that very question, both um, Vice President Pence and Senator Harris. Uh, you know, the, the, the former Vice President Biden seventy seven, President Trump seventy four. Have, and she asked them, have they talked to their running mates about what they should do and, and what the, the, the two candidates at the top of the ticket would, would, want, would prefer them to do um, should something happen? And, and the two vice presidential candidates would obviously have to take over as president. And, and neither of them indicated that they had had that conversation. Um, and I just found that interesting especially knowing Vice President Biden, who President Trump likes to remind us has, has a 47-year Washington career and is an institutionalist. You know, he's a big believer in the Senate and, and, sure. and, and all that. And has talked about he was Judiciary Committee chairman and, and was a big believer in an independent judiciary. And obviously, once he got in the executive branch, he advised President Obama on, on how to best use the executive branch. So he believes in the institutions here in Washington. He's talked about that. For him to not have a sit down with Senator Harris and for her to not even say, yeah, Joe and I talked about it, but that was a private conversation. But but yes, we talked about that. I, I thought that was very telling. Um, and I would not expect Vice President Pence to publicly acknowledge that Donald Trump acknowledged his own mortality. So, you know, maybe a little troubling. The vice president wouldn't admit it, but but certainly not off brand for for Trump or Pence. However, if you look at one of the first videos, he said, you know, we got to get through the next 48 hours. It seemed like he was very cognizant his health was at risk, uh, even the first night at Walter Reed, which I thought was astonishing, considering Trump never thinks he's going to die, it seems like, or whatever you want to say. Yeah, but yeah, but it's one thing for Trump to acknowledge his own mortality. It's another thing for Mike Pence to do it. True, because then he'd be like, well, okay, so they're talking about it. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's, there's stuff that my boss can say out loud, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm not going to say it. Hey, I've got a question for you, because, you know, journalism, I asked someone in the medical field, but journalism also... You might have had some people cheering on this diagnosis. Did you find that at all? Did you find your colleagues or whomever like cheering this? Or what was your what were you seeing reaction wise when President Trump got Corona? Not my colleagues. No, um, I still consider myself uh, part of the White House press corps. I haven't really been down there since all this started, and and with the outbreak there, I'm certainly not uh, going to head down there anytime soon. But uh, we were just. You know, I still interact with White House officials, and, and we weren't cheering. Of course not. We weren't cheering for President Trump to contract the virus or get very sick or 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 have any long-term complications or, or, or the worst-case scenario. None of that. We continue to just try to piece all of this together and get a clear picture of the President of the United States' true, true health condition right now when did he test? When did he first test positive? Did he know he was positive when he went to the to the fundraiser in Bedminster, New Jersey, last Thursday afternoon with you know 200 people? Um, we're just trying to still piece the picture together and 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 figure out just how how ill he might still be. How much is he still in a risk zone? Uh, how much is he getting another round of the remdesivir, which is the antibody treatment? Is he getting this, another round of the powerful steroids? We really haven't heard from Dr. Connolly in depth, um, I guess, since Sunday 
so no, nobody's cheering that on. I, I will say um, some of the satirical shows that, that folks unfortunately turn to now is, as sources of serious news and some of the opinion shows on, uh, let's say, some of the left-leaning networks. And, and I, was, I was disappointed in Saturday Night Live. I, I thought there was some cheering at the end of their cold open, um, some definite cheering and sneering that the president had gotten sick. And, and I just thought that was over the line. I thought it was in very poor taste. There was a way to, to handle that, and they did, for the most part, in that cold open, which was otherwise very funny. Alec Baldwin and Jim Carrey did an outstanding job uh, up until that point, and I just thought they crossed the line. And I definitely saw some of that on on some of the more opiniony or satirical shows. And and there's just no need to wish sickness or, or worse right. on people. You know, we we've just gotten to a point where because someone has a different um, a, a different view of how to solve a problem that usually we all agree the problem exists. It's just how do we get to a solution and what does it look like? And now we're wishing serious illness on, on each other. It's just, it, it, it's just a very sad state. You know, I called the pr- first presidential debate and blending both, both President Trump and Vice President Biden a national embarrassment. Mm. And some of that stuff over the weekend, cheering that Trump got the virus and, and seeming to cheer for something really bad to happen to him, I thought that was a national embarrassment, too. I had a guest on last week who said that this is, and I know you're a history guy too because you're obviously in politics, you love the historical of all of this. Uh, someone said this is the founder's worst nightmare. Is that is that correct? Is this what they were dreading all along? That the president would get sick? You know, a president would get sick like this? Sure, sure. I think it it would be safe to assume that it would be safe to assume that a lot of what we've seen lately uh, would fall under the, the founder's nightmare. I mean, um, just the division, just the division and, and the inability to compromise. I mean, Congress was set up in a way where they were trying to force compromise and, and really keep it away from, they didn't want a king, so they set up a president, and they set up Congress the way they did, trying to give Congress a lot of power that it has, has given up to the executive branch over the years and, and trying to give Congress a say and make it compromise and, and not have the executive have the final say or, or, or weigh in, um, in a, you know, my way or the highway type type situation. And some of the moves that president Trump has made, um, I think would have troubled the founders. I think the founders, frankly, um, would have been, would have been troubled the way, second-term Barack Obama used executive orders. I, I, I don't think that's what the founders intended either. So, um, And then the president getting sick, you know, they, they, they set up an order of succession, but they, they, they didn't exactly set up a way that requires a president to at least to, to sign over power maybe temporarily if he has to go under for a surgery or He's gravely ill, and he's taking powerful steroids. That that a known side effect is to alter the mind and the the world view, if you know what I mean. So, so the founders, you know, you could say it's not what they intended. Um, I think it's okay to be critical of the founders sometimes, um, but especially back then when medicine wasn't what it is now, I, I think they could have left us with a better process and a better 
some more requirements and, and some more standards for when a president had to sign over power, even temporarily, uh, maybe with some time limits attached. Uh, it's just odd to me that they didn't do that. And then one last question, because I, I'm sure you're weighing in on this at some point at the Independent, because I think it's a big deal. Uh, 13 members arrested for militia, and, and this is why I wanted to sort of wrap up with, because militia is something in the 1770s that we, you know, helped us gain independence. Now they're looked, right. yeah, and, and yet now they're looked at as insane. So let me ask you this. Why were militias needed back then, and why are they looked at as insane now? Back then, you know, the founders were coming out of what they saw as um, an overbearing, a heavy-handed monarch um, in in, uh, in 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 Great Britain, and and even other other uh, colonists who who came over who weren't British. Um, you know, that was the case elsewhere in Europe as well. So that was a common worry that that the founders and and, and everyone of that era had so um they wanted the foe they wanted the people to have a way to to fight back or, or defend themselves or even deter a, a strong executive from from sending in the army and remember there wasn't a big army back then not like now with these you know trillion dollar defense budgets and, a, and, a, and an army a third of which ever even leaves the continental united states and and an Air Force, the Navy, and all this stuff that could, um, that now maybe would stand up to an executive. So, so all that wasn't there. And, you know, you fast forward to now, and, you know, we have large police forces, and, and we have, um, there's just more, at least on paper, there's just more order. And, and I think the, the, the militias have, have been swept up it's not like you or me or, or my father or my, my three middle-of-the-road political buddies are, are interested or, or have joined a militia. The militias have moved to the fringes of American politics. And sometimes, often we see violence come from those fringes, from the, from the extremes of both parties, from the extremes of um, ideological movements. And that's the concerning part right now is is these militias. Sure. Uh, they they don't recognize kind of mainstream thought on on either side of the spectrum, and they're kind of you know they're they're out there. Um, they feel aggrieved. They they feel pushed out of the process. Uh, they feel all these pressures from both sides, and, and people are after them. And as we saw in Michigan, they're willing to they're willing to really arm themselves and, and try to take on the state. And, you know, that is troubling uh, because, um, you know, most folks, even Republicans, they would want to vote the governor in Michigan right. out of office or, or recall her or have a special election. I don't think you're going to find even most what we would call average Republicans in Michigan want to kidnap the governor and, and essentially hold a, uh, orchestrate a coup. I, I, that's just, that is so out of the mainstream. So it's different. It's also different motivations behind militias than, than the 17th, uh, than the 1700s. Well, that is, um, while, you know, that, that, that's interesting because I feel like back then they had a lot more restrictions on themselves by Britain than we do by our own governors right now. I, I feel like that's the big uh -huh. difference is that 
these governors aren't terrible people yet King George was not that good to uh, to the to the colonies so I think there's a big difference there yeah I think you're right I, I think that's right I mean it's just there's so many different circumstances that it's it's hard to it's hard to compare the Michigan militia of today against a militia that helped win the Battle of Kings Mountain in the Revolutionary War near that's my hometown in North Carolina on the, on the border with South Carolina. We like to say that that our militias down there uh, saved the United States because that battle turned the course of the Revolutionary War and, and that militia was motivated to to stop the Brits and and win independence, and you've got a militia now that wants to um, that wants to overthrow a governor, kidnap a governor, Crazy. because they don't because they don't want to wear a mask to fight an airborne disease. So that's that's very different. And one last thing: so you are predict are you predicting that we could see more of these plots, or is that the only one? I think these plots exist more than 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 we know. Um, I think this one got to a point that law enforcement took it obviously extremely seriously and decided to stop it. Uh, who knows how far it would have gotten? Who, who knows if it would have been successful? But I, I think this stuff is this kind of thinking is out there. Um, you find it on certain parts of the web. Uh, I, I think we'll see. I think just about anything is possible between now and election day. And then we're going to have to hit the reset button and come up with a whole new standard for what might be possible um, when November 3rd becomes November 4th. And we we very likely do not yet have a president elect or a president who has been reelected. So, yeah, I, I, I think violence is possible. I think these plots are possible. I also think that nothing is possible. And one of these guys wins by a comfortable enough margin that other than some protests and some marches, um, we move into 2021 and, and, and find out what that year has in store. So I think anything's possible. I know that's not a great answer to your question, but I think 2020 well, has proven that just about anything is possible. Well, and I, I agree with that. I mean, I was saying the health is going to be a concern back in August because you just never know. And sort of COVID does play a role mm -hmm. in this. Uh, one last thing, though, because you say next year will be easier. I do find, to be very real with you, the last three years have been rather calm compared to what, you know, people on the left were saying, well, we're going to end, the world's going to end. But three years later, we actually got through it pretty okay, actually a little quicker, sometimes slow, sometimes quick, you know. And then this year just was, it it, it happened. Whatever was supposed to happen in the universe happened uh, in the form of the tragic corona. But for three years, we lived pretty peacefully, I thought. Well, I, I think that's a mixed bag. I, I, I definitely think, um, and I wouldn't put this all on the president and his supporters by Absolutely any means, not. because I, I was, I was, you know, I try to, I view my job as, as viewing politicians and and and, and politics uh, and those on on both sides um, through the same through the same critical lens. I wouldn't call myself. I certainly wouldn't call myself a Republican. I certainly wouldn't call myself a Democrat. I think both. Both parties are very flawed right now, and I, I do think that we're worse off as a country in a lot of ways um, uh, as far as divisions and, and not getting along and viewing other people as 
as enemies, uh, just like I said, because they have a different idea about how to solve a common problem. So, and I think, I definitely think President Trump has, has poured gasoline on that fire. He's definitely poured gasoline on, on these deep, deep, deep uh, racial tensions that we have uh, going back to, to, of course, slavery. Um, but on the flip side, uh, you know, Democrats, um, Democrats' reaction to Trump, you know, everything was treasonous and every word out of the man's mouth and everything he tweeted that when I was writing about tweets in the morning for roll call, sometimes I would chuckle and, and, and write a quick story, um, you know, but every, they, they overreacted to everything Donald Trump did and that made the divisions worse and the misunderstandings worse and it just made politics, you know, it went from a game to a blood sport to whatever the hell it is now. Um, it's like the Hunger Games almost. So, you know, I think we've got a long way to go. I suspect that it's not going to get any better until Donald Trump is out of office. Um, but, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe a second term uh, Donald is is a kinder, gentler Donald. Uh, I have my doubts, but we'll see if he wins. Um, you know, Joe Biden talks a lot about being the unifier in chief. If he wins, um, I, I certainly have my doubts about that because Republicans, Nikki Haley, um, the South Dakota Governor Nome, uh, I could go down the list, Mike Pence will probably try it even if they lose in 2024. You know, they're going to try to grab that Trump coalition, and, and they're going to say similar things, probably with a, a slightly softer touch, shall we say, than Donald Trump, but, but that's where – that's where the path to the nomination, at least right now in the Republican Party, is, is, is that Trump path. Um, and that's, that's just going to hurt national discourse and everything. And, 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 and to be fair, Democrats didn't give him enough credit that at least he, kept, he, that he kept the Obama economic growth going. Um, they certainly have a case to make that after an initial, an initial boom month or two in 2017, that the growth rate went back to the Obama growth rate, growth rate, but you know, at least he didn't screw it up, and he, I don't think they gave him enough credit for that. Well, I will tell you this, and maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. A society that can't even acknowledge the president doing one thing, and in this case, to me, it's providing resources to New York. They can't now even acknowledge that he gave these states resources <laughs> early on. But but anyway, well, I hear you. I hear you, and you're you're right. You're right. But but there is certainly there's certainly a myriad thing sure. that Donald Trump won't admit Obama did or Clinton did, Bill Clinton did, or or he won't even acknowledge sometimes. When they're well, negotiating some bill and, and Nancy or Chuck gave ground, he won't even acknowledge that. So it cuts both ways. They're all to blame. Both parties in this town, they're both to blame. Uh, it sounds like we got to get a third party going, John. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you know, it, it, I, I'll let you do the legwork of organizing it and, and get it rolling and then give me a call. All right, John. Hey, uh, that was John T. Bennett of The Independent. Where can people follow you? And is there a newsletter you got coming out every week like you did at Roll Call? Uh, we, you can follow me at Bennett John T. on Twitter. That's two N's and two T's. And uh, we do have a newsletter, Inside Washington Newsletter, um, for subscribers of The Independent. So all folks have to do is subscribe to The Independent, and then you can sign up for our Monday through Friday uh, morning newsletter. We look ahead. We look back. We do some analysis. It's a new product. It's a really cool product, 
And uh, I really enjoy putting it together. And, you know, we're trying to build something here. And I, I hope folks go to our website, independent.co.uk, uh, grab a subscription, and then sign up for the Inside Washington newsletter. Uh, John, we didn't even talk about the mail-in ballot chaos, so I wanted to have you back on um, just maybe. Oh, there's the... plenty of time. Yeah, we can do that another time. So we'll have you back. I'm Alex Garrett. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, John, this was